Hello, greetings and welcome to another episode of Being Healthy, the Shaolin Way. Now we're going to discuss uh, Qi today. I give the uh, positive refutation of our last episode, but I'll let you decide, right? Qi, this is by the editors of Consumer Guide. Qi is a primal subject that animates the universe in Taoism, a mysterious force introduced to us by ancient Chinese myths and legends that also told us about the Tai Chi and about Tao. Qi is the force that sets the world and everything in its motion. Qi is also the force that sustains all things once they are created. Um, I have to tell you a little bit about Qi because uh, they said it was a primordial substance that animates the universe in Taoism, a mysterious force introduced to us by Chinese myths and legend that have also told us about the Tai Chi and Tao. Um, prana was in existence many thousands of years before that, and prana is the equivalent of Qi. So let's get back to our article. The idea of Qi, the Taoist concept of Qi, is not easily accepted by Westerners. It is not a concept that appears in Western mainstream religions or philosophies. Similarly, Western medical and scientific traditions often don't acknowledge Qi or have any place for it in China and beyond. However, the Taoist concept of Qi is very familiar, even commonplace. Everyone, from politicians to school children, understands it. The notion of Qi and its applications are as much a part of Chinese life and outlook as are the ideas of muscle tone and physical fitness in Western life. Easterners believe Qi to be the life energy contained within matter. In experiments conducted in the 1960s, nuclear physicists in China came to accept the notion that Qi is actually a low-frequency, highly concentrated form of infrared radiation. In recent decades, experiments in China have been conducted on this special type of energy. Some researchers have come to believe, just as the legends tell us, that certain people may be able to learn to emit this form of energy from their bodies. Known as Qigong masters, these highly trained individuals often devote their lives to developing this subtle energy. As the Taoist concept of Qi crossed over into the West in recent years, a Western word was coined to describe it. Since Qi has a number of properties that seem similar to those of electrical energy, it is sometimes called bioenergy. This describes the living energy that is native to life rather than to the inanimate forces of nature, such as water power or lightning. Knowledge related to bioenergy is called bioinformation. I repeat, knowledge related to energy is called bioinformation. However, one conceives the Taoist concept of qi, there is general agreement about what it does. Qi animates matter, infusing it with life. As a result, it is often described as a life force. It not only permeates the energy spaces between material objects in Taoism, it is part of their composition. In peoples and animals, for example, qi is responsible for the functioning of the organs, including the cardiorespiratory systems. This life force circulates throughout the body with the blood so that it can provide its own particular form of nutrition to the myriad cells. Every living organism has some way to assimilate qi. Human beings, animals, and plants alike ingest qi along with the air they breathe, the water they drink, and the food they eat. 
Once aside, Qi moves to various locations and begins to perform its many functions. The most common of these functions are generally related to the proper functioning and continued operation of the body or plant. There are hints here and there in our culture that we in the Western world once did recognize the mysterious life force of Taoism called Qi. Have you ever wondered, for example, why a mother kisses her child's wound to try and make it better? It's remarkable that after your kiss, the pain does often vanish. Psychologists may tell you this phenomenon has nothing to do with the kiss itself. It's effectiveness, they say, is a result of the suggestion placed in a child's mind. The pain disappears as a result of a type of hypnosis introduced by the mother. But anyone who understands the Taoist concept, she will say that the mother passed some of her life force into the child's damaged tissue. The life force not only repairs the wound, it also serves and is an anesthetic. Another example can be found in many of the devotional paintings created by our finest artists. In these works, you can often find a halo surrounding the heads of Christ, the Madonna, the disciples, visiting angels, cherubs, and many other members of the heavenly host. Some believe this aura to be simply a fanciful symbol created by the artist for effect. Others, however, believe that they can actually see these emanations radiating from holy people and others who have cultivated the chi to a high degree. Some gifted artists, who were especially sensitive to color and light, may have taken their inspiration for the idea of halos directly from a particularly radiant person. Now, the Taoist concept of chi is a special substance with certain properties. As it has been traditionally been understood in Taoism, it refers to a vital force, the animating force behind the life itself, and has always been associated with breath and air. Some contemporary views sees chi as a substance much like light, with properties of both matter and energy. Some, such as Qigong masters, claim to be able to project chi from their bodies into others and to be able to see it. In fact, the chi may be the healing substance responsible for the phenomenon known as the laying on of hands. This is a healing tradition known in the West in which one or more people will place their hands on someone who is not well. Sometimes these people recover completely for reason unknown to modern medicine. Understanding the Taoist concept of qi requires us to recognize the extent of its influence both inside our bodies and in the world around us. The concept of qi then can be discussed in terms of how it appears in the universe and what it does. Now, qi breathing is an interesting topic too. I mean, the relationship between qi and breathing is not unique to Taoism. In fact, knowledge of qi is not today and never has been exclusive to China. The idea that qi is an enlightened, intelligent energy that protects the body and coordinates its function has appeared in many cultures. This living energy is called prana in India. And it, in fact, predates the Taoist concept of qi by millennia. And in fact, it's very likely it's been studied in that country for a longer period of time than in China itself. In his book, The Hindu Yogi Science of Breathing, Yogi Ramachakra succinctly describes prana. Prana is the name by which we designate a universal principle, which is the essence 
of all motion, force, or energy. <clears throat> Whether manifested in gravitation, electricity, the revolution of the planets, and all forms of life from the highest to the lowest. This great principle is in all forms of matter, yet it is not matter. It is in the air, but it is not air nor one of its chemical constituents. Animal and plant life breathe it in with the air, and yet if they contained it, not they would not die, even though they might be filled with air. The notion that chi and breathing are related was a favorite theme of the Indian sages of the Vedic period. Veda means wisdom in Sanskrit, the holy language of India. During this historical period, which began nearly 4,000 years ago, again, it predates the Taoist concept of chi by millennia, the ancient sages began to record their ideas in written form. Many texts from the Vedic period have been preserved to this day. Studying, studying this literature, we realize that the idea of relating chi and breath is as old as time itself. In Sanskrit, prana means ultimate energy, and when used in context with living organisms, it is recognized as a vital animating force in living things. Ever since that time, practitioners have believed that it was necessary to breathe to acquire this force, so the intimate relationship between the act of breathing and staying alive and well was established in this way. Consequently, innumerable breathing techniques from many different sects were developed specifically to increase the amount of available chi and to use it for special purposes. Exactly who these ancient sages might have been, no one knows. The only traces of them are found in the Vedic literature and perhaps in some of the yogic practices. Their legacy, however, offers a wealth of information on topics related to the vital force in human life and how it may be purified. They observed in their incomparably poetic way, for example, that the basic emotions, such as fear, passion, rage, and anxiety, would cause corresponding physiological responses, all negatives. The yogis, who later followed these secret teachings, noticed that these physical states were invariably related to, among other things, heart rate, muscular tension, and respiratory rate, and that undesirable mental states such as confusion and disorientation, accompany these changes. Now, that concludes today's episode, but tomorrow we'll continue with this uh, consideration of chi with the benefits of breathing control. But we still haven't answered the scientific objection to the existence of chi or prana, as it may be called, uh, we prefer to use the term prana because it's, uh, again, it predates the Chinese literature. But in any event, we'll discuss the, the benefits of breathing control, how you cultivate tree, qigong for health and longevity. And um, I think the day after tomorrow, we'll get into a scientific consideration of qi. Does it really, really exist? So this concludes today's episode of uh, Being Healthy the Shaolin Way. If you'd like to learn more about the monks of the Shaolin Temple, you can visit us at shaolintempleus.org or come to our website at healthytaichi.com. If you'd like to donate to this program, do so by PayPal. Um, donate to rick, R-I-C-K, at feraldmore.com. That's F-E-R-R-E-L-D-M-O-O-R-E.com. Until the next episode, namaste.